This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. And I want to bring you a message entitled, uh, Hands or Feet, Mark chapter 4, verse number 35. You should know this by now. This is the what third message in two weeks from this passage. It says, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go to the others. How many ready to go to the other side? Come on, amen. All right. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat, here's where we were Sunday, there were also other boats with him. How many are glad you're not alone on the journey? I'm just, I'm serious. You're not alone on the journey. God put people in your life for a reason. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, that's the back of the boat, okay, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown, okay? Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, now notice this, why are you so, what's that word? Afraid, do you still have no faith. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Father, tonight before I I speak this message, God, I ask you that for the reasons that you you have ordained, not where I thought, not where we were planning to go as a church, but you have ordained this passage into our lives. Lord, I really believe you have called us to stop circling the mountain corporately and personally, God. I believe that you have called us to move to the other side. You have called us to become people who move forward into what you have called us to. In Jesus' mighty name, and all God's people said, amen. So tonight I want us just for a few moments to focus on that part of the verse that says, why are you so afraid? And do you still have no faith? Why are you living in fear when you know there's a God who can meet your every need and the faith you have in him can change your every situation? Why do we struggle when we've seen God deliver? When we've seen God heal? My friend Joel over here, I just happened to see him. I was thinking about this. God uses him to, to, to win people all over on the streets and, and see healings and deliverance on the streets. But I don't, I don't know if he would agree with me in this or not. But what I've learned is as many times as I've seen healings, I'm still just as surprised when I see a healing because I trust God for the healing. But I don't know how many prayers I've prayed that, that we're still waiting on the answer to. But when that miracle happens, I was sharing a miracle with someone today, it excites me still. It doesn't blow my mind that God can heal because God does heal. Come on now. 
But it's not something that we just expect to see every day. But when we learn to expect it and stop walking in fear, I believe we're going to start seeing more of it. Can I get an amen for that? You see, what was happening here in this passage, it was time for their fear to stop ruling their life and for it to be replaced with faith. It was time for the fear to subside and for faith to grow, for faith to increase in their lives. I mean, had God not done enough for them? Had had Jesus not done enough in front of them? Had the Spirit of the living God not done enough through them that they would know what it was like for God to move? That they would know what it was like for the Spirit of God to be doing something great in the land, but yet these that God had been using, these that had seen the miracles that God was doing, at this point they still are controlled by fear. Now I've got a lot of sermon here, but let me tell you, I believe that a lot of our decisions are controlled by fear. We're afraid of how people will perceive us. We're afraid of how we're going to fail. We're afraid of of all the struggles. We're afraid afraid that if I step up for God, I'm going to have to fight the enemy more. And fear comes into our lives, but God's not called us to live in fear. He's called us to live in faith. Can I get an amen for that? You see, when, when you have fear in your life, it's not something for you to live in shame of. It's something for you to confess and get victory over. It's something for you to ask, like the little woman from the story in the Bible when, when, when the prayer was given that said, increase my faith. Increase my faith. Lord, I'm struggling. I need you to, to help me in this moment. I, I think that's where we allow fear to control us. We're afraid to tell God, who already knows in the first place, that we're struggling. But here's what happens when you unleash enough faith to say, God, help me in the middle of your storm. When fear meets faith, it creates courage. When your, when your faith is released, all of a sudden you can go further than you thought you could go before. You can beat something that you never thought you could beat before because that fear has pushed you down. But when, fa- my goodness, I feel the Holy Spirit as I'm saying this. When, when faith begins to rise up inside of you, all of a sudden you get the courage to step out of the boat if necessary. We're talking about some disciples who at one point were holding on to the boat, afraid they were going to drown. And all of a sudden, when the fear met faith, Peter walked on the water. Because courage will come into your life. And I think that's part of what we miss. We, we miss the power of, of courage. Now, a verse that hangs around my office in my home, and it's a verse that means a, a lot to me. I'll never forget this night. I, I, I was in an altar crying out to God because I knew God had a call on my life, but I didn't know what was going to happen with that. I, 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 did, I felt like I wasn't getting any traction. Do you understand what I'm saying? I wasn't, I wasn't moving in the direction I was, wanted to be moving in ministerially, and, and I was in an altar, and I was crying out to God. And I, I, I said, God, I just need a word from you. God, I just need to know that, that you really called me, that you really chose me for this, and, and I'll never forget a, a man leaned around I don't know his name but he leaned around and he said I've got a word from the Lord for you and he quoted Joshua 1 and 9 have I not commanded you be strong and courageous do not be afraid do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go now I could preach on that verse about all night long come on I could stop, let's just do it an expository style for just a moment. I could say, has God not given a command for your life? And I could preach there for about, about 10 minutes, and, and, and y'all be like, okay, move on to the next point. And then I could talk about being strong. And then I could talk about being courageous. 
And then I could talk about, now look, you don't need to let fear rule in your life because if you're strong and courageous, fear's going to try to come up when you step out. But, but, but let, me just, let me just hurry. Don't be discouraged. Now, I could probably really preach that one right now. For the Lord your God will be with you. That's the best part. Wherever you go. But the part I want you to see tonight is, is that part that says, not just be strong, but be courageous. Be someone who has courage. And, and how are you going to get courage? It's when your fear meets your faith. When you let faith begin to walk in your life. Because, listen, some of you are going, but Pastor Donna, you don't understand. I don't know how it's going to get worked out. Don't you understand that that's where faith has to come into play? If, if you know how it's going to work out, that's not faith. That's wisdom. But God's wanting to release faith into your life that will ultimately result in courage in your life. Let me give you an example of courage that, that sometimes you've got you've to have faith in what God's prepared you for. March 30th, 1981, some of you may know what happened on that day, but Washington, D.C., President Ronald Reagan has just given a speech at the Washington Hilton Hotel. As he exits the building, John Hinckley Jr. opens fire. Six bullets are released in 1.7 seconds. The first shot hits James Brady. The second shot hit, hits a, a local officer. The next shot, or another shot, hits Agent Timothy McCarthy. And finally, President Reagan is hit in the lung, and it goes only one inch from his heart. How many remember that day? I remember getting the news. I was on the school bus. And we got that news. If you watch that video, the moment that the gunshot goes off, the moment the gunshot goes off, people begin to respond because their, their brain immediately puts that sound with danger. And immediately people, what do you do when, when there's a loud noise? You duck, right? You duck for cover when there's a, a loud sign of danger. Everyone almost in the video immediately, it wasn't video, I guess, well, I guess it is video, film, 1981. Come on now, don't date me too bad there. Real to real back then almost, come on now, amen. But everyone in the footage, there we go, ducks, except James McCarthy. James McCarthy goes spread eagle. He immediately steps in front of the president because, let me just give his training and his preparation came into play. And he knew that by his training and preparation that he was probably not going to go unscathed, but all of a sudden, because of what he'd been through, he had faith in what he had to do. Can I tell you, and this is not even in my sermon, I'm supposed to be making another really good point, but this is what the Holy Spirit has dropped into my heart. You see, most of us are just trying to get out of it unscathed without some battle scars. Don't you understand it's the scars that let people know what God's brought you through? <laughs> oh, Pastor Don, I, that's courage. Can I tell you, I mean, that's courage. I began to realize he's not the only one who stepped in front of somebody and went full spread, went full spread all eagle out. I, I think about 2,000 years ago on a cross called Calvary, Jesus stepped out. 
and took a bullet that was called sin and death for us. Come on now. And I, whoo, I feel the Holy Spirit in that. And he stepped out. And as he stepped out for us, let me, listen, it's one thing to step out and block the president. But it's another thing to step out and block someone who's bound in sin. Someone who's covered in guilt. What does the Word say? Romans chapter 5. What does the, the Word tell us? It says this, you see at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone else uh, die for a righteous person. James McCarthy was only the fourth Secret Service agent in history to stand up like that. The fourth in history. It's one thing to die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ, he, he, he reached out and covered us. Come on now, amen. While we were still in our, I mean, that's courage. That's courage because he, I mean, imagine what he felt for the first time he felt separation from God. For the, the first time he cried out, he cried out, God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He felt that loneliness. But, he reached out for us. Can I tell you that God does not love us because Christ died for us. Christ died for us because God loves us. Let me tell you that one more time. He doesn't love you just because Jesus died for you. He died for you because God loved you before he cleaned you up. Amen? Well, I feel this. I feel this. You see, most of our sin that we struggle with is rooted in fear. Courage is rooted in faith. And I'm looking for a people who are courageous enough to step up and receive the grace of God. You see, let me just read you this. C.S. Lewis said this. Courage is, is not simply one of the virtues, but the form of every virtue. Okay? The form of every virtue at the testing point. Courage is not just, just part of of something that you need to get, but every virtue in your life requires courage. Because if, if you haven't figured this out by now, everything's going to be tested. Everything you believe in, you're going to have to prove whether or not you believe in it. You're going to have to settle it in your life. Everything that you're facing is going to have to face the test, and it's going to take courage to stand up to the storm. It's going to take courage to keep moving forward. And at that point, this is where I really was excited about. I came in here and I, I cornered Paul tonight. I said, let me, let me just tell you what I'm thinking about this. And, and I've been excited about this. You're going to have to make some decisions in your life that courage is going to have to help you determine whether or not you're going to wash hands or feet. Now, I don't want to ask you who would choose hands and who would choose feet. Because you don't know the point yet. But courage in your life, and, and the whether or not you're a foot washer or a hand washer is going to tell you where your courage level is. I'm giving you truth, and I want you to get this. Remember in the passion story, the passion story, the last hours before the crucifixion of Christ, do you remember what Jesus did for his disciples? At the Last Supper, he what? Washed their feet. 
Now, I want you to understand, Jesus did not have to wash their feet. It was not his responsibility to wash their feet. It was the responsibility of the lowest servant of the house. But Jesus, in the man that he was illustrating for us, that servant man, that servant leader, in the courage that he had, Jesus washed his disciples' feet. Now, there was another washing that took place during the Passion story. There was a man named Pilate who washed his own hands. Watch this. Courage will determine if you wash hands or feet. Courage is going to determine whether or not you wash hands or feet. Let me just make this clear. You see, Jesus was not responsible to wash their feet. Yet Jesus, watch this, took responsibility for something that wasn't his responsibility. Courage made him stand up and do something that wasn't his to do. Don't you understand it? It was courage that took him all the way to the cross because that was not his path. It was ours. But courage made him stand up and take responsibility for something that wasn't his responsibility. Where Pilate did the exact opposite. Pilate washed his own hands as a way of saying, I am not responsible. Pilate knew Jesus was innocent, but he lacked the courage to let Jesus go. I I don't know who this is for, but somebody just get this. Not in my sermon, but you need to get this. It's time for you to get courage enough to stand up and do what is right no matter what it costs you. Do what is right. Be who God's called you to be. Walk in the way God's called you to walk. But Pastor Don, you don't understand. If I stand up, it's going to be a fight at home. Well, good good gracious, good goobly goof, I can say it that way. You might need a fight at home instead of watching them go to hell. Somebody ought to fight for somebody to serve Jesus in this world. Can I get an amen? How many of you old enough to know where good goobly goo comes from? Anybody know that? I just quoted Mr. Magoo in the pulpit. I mean, not old enough to know who Mr. Magoo is. Come on. Help him, Jesus. Let me show you why Pilate didn't have courage. Why he washed his hands instead of, he should have bowed down and washed the feet of the king in front of him. Mark 15, 15 I mean, he had warning. His own wife had, had been warned in a dream. Mark 15, 15. Watch, watch this. Wanting to do what? Satisfy the crowd. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. He washed his hands because he didn't want to take response. He knew this was not the right thing. He knew that joining with the crowd was not the right decision. How many of you would love to go back and stop doing some stuff that, or not do some stuff you did because you wanted to fit in with the crowd? Not trying to be what somebody else is telling. But Pilate was determined to wash his own hands and say, well, not my problem. And just because he wanted to satisfy the crowd. Pilate lacked courage. He was a people pleaser. He was more afraid of displeasing the crowd than he was than violating what he knew to be right. So let me ask you a couple questions. Are you living for the applause of others? One of my favorite speakers, he always says it this way. Are you living for the applause of others or are you living for the applause of nail-scarred hands? I love to take credit for that, but it's not mine. 
The question is, are you going to wash feet or hands? Are you going to be willing to take responsibility even if it's not your responsibility? Step up. I'm thankful for men and women who step up and take responsibility. Their grandparents, even in this house, have had to take responsibility for, for, for their grandchildren. There are people who have had to step up. You've had to take responsibility for, for people that, that others say, why did you do that? Why, why would it cost you so much? Why, why would it bring you so much heartache? Would you do that? Because it's the right thing to be done. I guess I need to ask, and I'll just put the question on the screen there. Is there a situation where you have absolved yourself of responsibility when you know you should be stepping up? Is there somewhere in your life you've been washing your hands instead of washing somebody's feet? Let me just bring it home. When we allow our wives to carry more than a fair share, let's just say a parenting, we're washing our hands instead of washing feet. Man, it got quiet in here. You thought I was going to say fair share of laundry, and all the women would have said. <laughs> Some of you ought to go home and wash your wife's feet tonight. Don't you send me any messages saying, why has my husband got water? In, in a... I'm not talking about washing their feet. I'm talking about washing their feet. Pick up the bathroom. Clean the kitchen. You ladies are missing a real opportunity here. Some of you want, I don't want him in my kitchen. Come on now, amen. But washing feet. How about this? When we're not pulling our weight at work, we're washing our hands instead of washing feet. Come on now. You see, you know, I don't have to. Well, it's not a have to, it's should you. So let me ask it again. Is there a situation where you have absolved yourself of responsibility when you know you should be stepping up? Let me just move on. How many know it takes courage to speak up? It takes courage if you're going to begin to speak life into people around you. Just, just, just cover that briefly. If God has spoken up on a subject, how can we remain silent? If God says something is, is sin, how can we stay quiet about it? Can I tell you that silence becomes sin? I, I'm going to farm for another amen on that one. Let me just say that again. Silence becomes sin. To not call sin, sin is sin. Let me say that one again. To not call sin, sin is sin. To remain quiet about sin is neither safe nor sound. We must have the courage to speak or do what is right when we encounter wrong. And when we stay quiet, we are washing our hands and not washing feet. Let me give you a scripture that requires courage to live. Romans chapter 12, verse number 2. It's this. It says, don't copy the behavior. I'm reading it to you from the New Living. You know it as do not be conformed to the world. But don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. 
Somebody's going, I want to know what God's plan is for my life. The Bible tells you when you're going to figure that out is when you start living for God. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. God's got something right. He's got something just right for you. And you're going to find it when you get enough courage to honor God in your life. How many of you remember that, that show, the, the Candid Camera? Everybody remember Candid Camera? Man, I'm really dating some of y'all. Some, some of these millennials are like, Candid Camera? Think America's Funniest Home Videos, but makes more sense. Is that true? Candid Camera did a show called Face the Rear. And it was on an elevator. I mean, anybody remember that one? Yeah. On an elevator, and, and the... Somebody would get on the elevator, and they'd be standing there, you know, just riding up. <laughs> you know what I always like to do when I get on the elevator? I'll get on there, and I'll, I'll say, I guess you're wondering why I called you all together here today. I was at the hospital sitting one day, and this one lady says, you're a preacher, aren't you? <laughs> I said, oh, you know I was about to take an offering. Come on, amen. But they, they'd get on that there, and, and that person would be standing there just waiting, and then the door would open again, and four people would come in. So they're, they're facing, you know, the front of the door, the buttons are here, and four people would come in, of course they back up, you know how you do, and, and the four people would stay this way, looking this way. And what they were watching was the facial expressions of the person facing the right way. Because they're going, how many of you would be thinking, maybe this thing opens on the, you know, some of them open on both sides, right? And you're looking back, and they're checking, and they're getting a little uncomfortable, and then one floor up, they would have another person walk in and face the other way. And to a person, every single one of them turned around. I guess they felt kind of silly, but they turned around because there was a pressure to conform. The pressure to conform. You see, conformity is cowardice. Conformity is not courage. There are people that are not walking free because they're too worried about what everybody else thinks. You see, we have to ask ourselves, what have we conformed to? But be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. I'm preaching truth right now. Where, where, you know, they did, a, they did a study. They took children who were deathly afraid of dogs. And for one month, every day, they showed them videos of children meeting dogs. Every month. A different video every day for a month. These children that ran in terror after one month, when they introduced a dog into the picture, they walked up to the dog and began to pet the dog. They had been controlled by fear, but they were transformed into a conformity with all of what they had seen every day. Can I tell you, you better be careful what you're watching. Because I have, my mind has been blown at the news coming out of Hollywood. We just can't believe this stuff happened. I'm like, you've been living it on the screen for years and now you're shocked it's happening? You see, 
What you've seen becomes normal. And, and, and things that used to not be normal are slipped in on us. And things that used to not be acceptable are slipped in on us. And bef- I'm, I'm preaching truth tonight. And before long, we find ourselves conforming to the world and wondering why we can't find God's will for our lives. We find ourselves conforming. I'm, I'm sick of watching what's supposed to be cool and, and fun. And I mean, we just finished football season. God help us all. Come on now. We just finished it, and during some of those commercials, I, you see, I live with a little boy who knows the hell of, of, of alcohol and knows the hell of people doing drugs and know, knows what it's like to go hungry because of that. And, and he'll lean over to me when those uh, beer commercials come on and everybody else is like, oh, it's okay. And he'll lean over and say, that's not good. That's not good. That's not right. And I said, buddy, you're right. That's not good, and that's not right. And see, the world's trying to slip it in on you that, that to be cool and to be, be comfortable, everybody's got to go this way. Let me just tell you something right now. You can either have what the world's trying to sell you or you can be full of the power of the Holy Spirit of the living God. You can be transformed from what they've tried to conform you into and be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's what he's called us to do. That's what he's called us to become. Can't walk in darkness. We walk in the light. Now some of you go, Pastor Don, you don't know my weaknesses. Look, I didn't come in here to condemn you. I came in here to invite you. Come on, let's go somewhere together if you have enough courage. You see, the place where you have conformed is the very place you need to be transformed. I'm going to let that one sink in for just a moment. The place you have conformed is the very place that you need to be transformed. You see, because you knew it was wrong when you started. If y'all won't give me a man, I'm going to ask these guys who know what I'm preaching about. I said, you knew it was wrong when you started. Can I get an amen? But God's wanting to transform you, to change you. Pastor Don, I, I messed up. I, I've blown up my, my family. I've blown up my life. I've blown up my situation. And you're going, Pastor, I don't know what to do. I've just read you the verse that tells you what to do. Don't be conformed to this world anymore, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God's going to take a... God's going to take a mouth that used to make a sailor blush with shame. Come on now. And he'll put praises coming out of it. He's going to take a mind that couldn't remember anything, and he'll put the word inside of you. Changing who you are. Pastor Don, is that real? Yeah, it is real. It is. I, I, I wish I could show you. I wish I could tell their testimonies to you. That's just not fair. Come on, amen. I remember I was with a pastor one time, and, and he had one of his members there, and he said, let me just tell you, they were jacked up, messed up. There's a lady, and he, I'm just going to he said, he said, she was a floozy if there ever was a floozy. Come on now. And she said, now hold on, Pastor. <laughs> Don't go there. She said, I was messed up. But Jesus straightened me up. How many are thankful that you might have been messed up, but Jesus filled you up with the presence of God? <laughs> Amen. Stand with me. I'll hurry up and finish tonight. I'm almost out of time, and I thought I wouldn't have enough sermon. There's a couple of ways you're going to have to be courageous if you really want to step into it. All right? Probably the greatest area that fear meets faith in is when you become courageous in confession. Nobody liked that. They said Martin Luther, the leader of the Protestant Reformation, 
would spend some days up to six hours confessing his sins. Six hours confessing his sins. Most of us don't confess our sins for six, not minutes, seconds. It normally goes like this. Father, forgive me of my sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Confession takes courage. You know, I, I, said, I prayed that prayer one day. God, please forgive me of this. God, please forgive me of this. And I told you this. He asked me, he said, are you asking me to excuse it or remove it? Because sometimes there's nothing you can do about it. You say, well, you're going to have to forgive us for this. Now, there's sometimes you're saying, God, I repent. So that's a word that means to turn, to change, to have a difference in your life. God, I want you to take it from me. Let me just say, here's a powerful way to confess. Write it down. Write it out. I'm sorry I did this, and I'm sorry I did this, and I, this, this sins in my life. During the last two songs, it's like my sins were screaming at me tonight. I was like, God, really? I was having fun. But how could I bring this message unless I confess them right there? Second way you need to confess. The Bible says that you confess your sins to one another that you might be healed. It's, first off, if you write it down, burn it. Come on now, you don't need the evidence to remind you of, your, of what God's forgiven you for. Burn it. But when you find a righteous man, a righteous brother and sister, the confidence is in that you can say, I need you to help me. And then, I mean, I have brothers like that in this room, right here, right now. They call me, I call them. Look, this is what I'm going through right now. I need you to help me. Keep me accountable. Confession works. And what you need is a move of the presence of God in your life. Acts 4.13. This is it. This is it. Acts 4 and 13 tonight says, When they saw the courage, the what? Courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. It wasn't necessarily what they said. It was what they saw. What they were saying could have cost them everything, but they weren't washing their hands. They were washing feet. I have felt Jesus in this place tonight. I have felt the presence of God here tonight. I don't know what exactly you're going through, but I do know this. If you will conform to the image of Jesus Christ, begin to take out everything that you know doesn't match up with Him, you're going to go through a transformation. Your mind is going to start thinking differently. Your words are going to change. Your, your actions are going to change. And before long, you're going to be able to know what is the perfect, good will of God for your life.
What's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at Warhill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8:15, 9:30, and 11 a.m. Where you will find real love now. Thank you.